this is Tony Speaks and this is my lovely wife, Kim. We are the founders and co-creators of the lifestyle brand and podcast, Becoming Disciplined. Every week we meet, learn from, and share best practices with highly disciplined men and women from a variety of fields and endeavors. Follow us on our journey. In simple obesity, the annual probability of attaining normal weight was 1 in 210 for men and 1 in 124 for women, increasing to 1 in 1290 for men and 1 in 677 for women with morbid obesity. The annual probability of achieving just a 5% weight reduction was 1 in 8 for men and 1 in 7 for women with morbid obesity. By some estimates, 80% of people who successfully lose at least 10% of their body weight will gradually regain it to end up as large or even larger than they were before they went on a diet. Those odds are what makes my next guest so special. Matthew Aguido defeated his Goliath and then kept the weight off. Today, we talk to the unicorn. Today, we talk to the statistical anomaly. Today, we talk to a man who is more than a conqueror. As I fight my battle, this interview, this man, gave me hope. Today, Matthew Aguido is becoming disciplined. Today on Becoming Disciplined, we interview fitness enthusiast and overcomer, Matthew Aguido. Welcome, Matthew. Hey, what's going on? How you doing, Tony? Oh, man, it is so such an honor to have you. But before you educate us and share what, what you're doing right now, what you got going on right now, I think it's good for my audience to be aware of their superhero's origin story. What is your origin story? Where did you grow up? What was your family like? How, how did you all, how did you start off? Yeah, so um, I am born and raised in New York City to two uh, foreign, uh, would you say immigrants, two immigrants, Nigeria. To be exact, that's why my, my last name is like that, Aguido. I'm first-generation American. Uh, I was born in Brooklyn specifically, and I'm raised in Queens. Uh, I have one sister, and you know, we lived in New York City till about till I was about almost 17 years old, and then moved from New York to Virginia and lived in VA for about nine years before I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. So uh, that's a bit of, you know, I guess you could say some of my history there. I'm in IT. Uh, I currently work for Microsoft, but I've been in IT for about 20 plus years. I uh, was always someone who tinkered with things, broke a lot of my parents' stuff uh, to make it to where I am today. Sure, sure. Now, is I would you call IT your vocation, or would do you have a have you discovered since you've been in? A lot of times, people start a day job and then they discover a vocation after that. Uh, would you call IT a vocation, or have you discovered another vocation? I don't know if technology, I don't know if IT is really a vocation for me anymore. Like I, I find it, it's a paycheck, you know, it's something that I do, it's something that I'm I'm decent at, you know, I think I'm good at it. You know, I do the sales side now of things, so I'm not hands-on like I used to. I like it. I like it a lot, but 
I would say it's, it leans more towards a check than it is a love. You know, the sales part probably is what increases the love for it, you know, um, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, when you were a child, was there someone who inspired you with, with their level of discipline? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a guy who actually was my youth minister uh, at the church I grew up at. He was a, a, an IT and math instructor. Uh, instructor. And he actually worked on Rikers Island, ironically. And a real good guy, real good brother. We still keep up to this day. He's 10 years older than me. So we weren't too far apart in age where he, he couldn't have influence. And he wasn't so far away. It seemed like he was like a father. So he was definitely like a big, big brother. You know? um, but he did that. And I just loved what he was talking about. And I just started to just kind of go down that same path. Mm. Now, for most people that I interview, I kind of go around the mulberry bush, as they say in the South, and I take a little longer before we get to the meat and potatoes. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get to the meat and potatoes a little faster today. Uh, yeah, no, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to uh, share with our audience that Matthew is a statistical anomaly. <laughs> is, and, and, and the statistical anomaly is that most people who become obese, first of all, and you're looking at, and my audience is probably looking at me, what are you talking about obese? But most people who become obese, uh, statistically, they never lose weight. And then there's another even shorter statistic where there are people like myself who have lost the weight, but then gain it back. And Matthew is not just a statistical anomaly one time, He's a two-time statistical anomaly because y'all wouldn't know it, but Matthew used to be uh, notorious B.I.G. size. Baby, and, baby. Yeah, <laughs> and then he took it all off, but then he's a greater statistical anomaly because he's kept it off, which is, that's the that's the double miracle. Uh, now, Matthew, what, what started you on your journey? And, uh, well, let's start with what started you on your journey why do you think that you're that statistical anomaly? What was different about your case? What did you do differently that other people have not done? Yeah, you know, it's it's it, it's a lot, right? So like I used to be 365 and I went through three rounds of weight loss and and the third round was the one that stuck. Um the first two rounds was one when my son was uh when my wife was pregnant with our son in 04. And I said, I did not want to, I did not want to be like that guy who gains weight when your wife gains weight with pregnancy. So I, I went from, I think I was 310 at that point. And I went down to 265 pounds. I lost like 50, 40, 45 pounds. Then I went all the way up to 320. Notice I went past the 310 and went all the way to 320. Right. Um, because guess what? I had one goal in mind, right? The goal was to not gain weight when my wife was gaining weight, I wanted to lose weight. So once I achieved that goal, what happened? I bounced back. Second time around, second child, 07, same goal. I'm going to go ahead and not gain weight. So now, I'm, I'm now even I told you, I, I went up to 320. I really went up to like 340. And it's 07. I said, you know what? I'm going to drop some more weights. So I dropped all the way down to 295. So I'm still bigger than I was when I was 265. But then I, I lost another 45 pounds. I hit that goal. And then uh, I went right back up, topped out, you know, 360 something. What made this last one stick is a couple things. The Biggest Loser, that show came out huge. 
my own overall, you know, what some would say religious beliefs and my own belief, I, I got convicted of being overweight. I just didn't understand being someone who I felt more of a hypocrite by being someone who I said can, you know, speak about who God is or the gospel or whatever it may be, but then I can't control my own habits, right? Because we focus too hard on the sins that are obvious, right? Like whatever they may be. And then we don't focus on the sins that are not as obvious, like not the way, just the way we eat. And so that was that. Then I lost a couple of colleagues. One was, you know, a coworker and another one was um, a family friend. And so it was just a series of things. And I said to myself, I'm going to go lose weight. So I made my sister's wedding a goal. This is 2010. I said, by the time I get to my sister's wedding, I'm going to try to drop, um, you know, as much weight as I possibly can. I picked a pair of pants and I got down to, not only did I get down to those pair of pants, I got past it, but I only ended up being like 300 pounds. And when I got there, I realized, I said, hold on, I'm doing it again. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem was I set the goal to lose weight. I never set the goal to stay, to keep the weight off. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did differently the third time. I said, my goal would be to keep the weight off. And that goal should never stop. And I remember telling my wife, I said, Star, my wife's name is Star. I said, Star, if I do this, I'm going to have to work as hard as I can and maintain this. And my new goal is refreshing every, every I call it like every two to three months of, of just maintaining and just keeping it off. So that was it. Like, that's how, that was how it started. I mean, I made a decision to no longer lose weight. I made a decision to, to keep the weight off. And those are two totally different goals. And I think that's part of the problem. So even when I was still 300 pounds, I knew I wasn't at my optimal size yet, but I knew that my goal wasn't to get down to my optimal size. My goal was to get down to a manageable size that was a lot smaller than it used to be. Um, and that was it. That was my goal. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? No, it does make sense. It does make sense. So instead of having like a singular goal, you changed into more of a lifestyle, it sounds like. Yeah, because it, that's the thing. Like, it, and, and you, you develop a lifestyle based off a decision. Like, I think, I think that's the thing. Like, you have to decide on a lifestyle, right? And sometimes we, we consciously or subconsciously make those decisions, right? So consciously we say, you know what? I want my lifestyle to be healthy. I'm going to eat salads, grilled chicken, grilled fish you know, no cakes, no sugars and stuff like that, whatever. Or you can make it subconsciously where you're like, I'm going to get up like I used to do. I'm going to get up, grab me this McDonald's bagel, these McDonald's fries, these McDonald's apple pies, and I'm going to enjoy myself with a large sweet tea. Every single thing I did was a decision. One was conscious and one was subconscious. I had to, I had to tap more into the conscious. Um, and that was harder because you got to change habits. You, you, you see what I mean? Sure. You got to change habits. Um, in order to make that happen. I don't know. I mean, ask me any more questions. You tell me, but hopefully this is helpful. No, no, it absolutely is. Absolutely is. Now, question, do you, would you have described yourself as an emotional eater or was it just the lifestyle, you know, did you eat uh, attached to any negative emotions or did, or was it just part of a, a different life? I would say a little bit, yes, it was emotional, but I would say it was also habitual because they kind of feed each other. When you're so, used to eating a certain amount of food, you're just used to eating a certain amount of food. It's right. good. You know, it's a portion control issue. But then there's times where I'm stressed, right? And I'm like, like right now, you know, not trying to advertise for a company, but I have a pack of gum here and I chew gum to help me with my, even to this day, 10 plus years into losing weight, I still chew gum to help me with making sure that I feel like I'm not, like, it's almost like a trick to feel like I'm eating something, but I'm not, you know? Right, right. Um, and that helps me, sure. you know? Um, 
but sometimes I emotionally eat because I was stressed. Mm. Right now, I probably chew my gum a lot harder. Right. Um, or I've changed what I stress to eat on. So before I used to stress eat on bad foods, and I'm I'm a little out of season right now. Like I say, out of season meaning like I I still need to. I'm 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 like 25 pounds over what I would like to be. I picked a range to live in. Um, but you know, some days I'm like, you know what, man, I'm just gonna eat this pie. And this is back when I was bigger. I'm gonna eat this pie or I'm gonna eat this cheeseburger. Now today, because I changed how I stress eat, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go to this is so corny, but it's true. I would go to Jason's deli, but I'm gonna pile on this salad, and that's how I'm gonna stress eat. So at least I'm stress eating on the right thing. You know, does that does that make sense? Makes sense. It makes sense. No. Now question. What percentage of your transformation would you attribute to exercise and what percentage would you attribute to the plate of what you put on your plate, what you eat? Mm, I would say 80, 20, 80% on what is on my plate, 20% on exercise. Okay. You know, I've gone, so like when, to give you a little history with my, um, when I was prepping for my, my sister's wedding, you know, I started May 1st of 2010 and her wedding was August 7th, 2010. And so just in that four months, I lost 44 pounds. I didn't do one lick of exercise. Wow. I, I just changed what I was eating. Wow. That's it. 44 wow. pounds gone. Wow. Out the door. And then when I decided to add exercise, and that's where the fitness comes into play, right? I want to run, you know, two or three miles straight. I want to be able to bench press 225. I want to be able to squat, you know, uh, what is it? Body weight squats, you know, 50 times, you know, little stuff like that. And that's where the fitness comes in to help, like, basically make your body stronger and support what you're doing with the way you're eating. And usually that's where the fitness goals come into play. And then you start seeing yourself, if I want to run this corny, but this is me. Like at the time I was 30, I'm 40 now, but at the time I was 30 and I was like, you know what? I want to run a seven minute mile. Well, that was my new goal, but I can't run a seven minute mile if I'm eating barbecue side items, like, you know, baked beans and you know, corn pudding and all of that stuff and the fries. You get where I'm going with that? You know, because right. that's not going to achieve my seven-minute goal. So I stayed away from that stuff so I can make my seven-minute goal. Sure. You see what I mean? Sure. Um, I can't do I can't do seven minutes now, but right. 10 years ago, yeah. I mean, I hit six minutes and 30-something seconds. I killed it, you know, that's and that awesome. was, you know, um, and that's, that's what I wanted. You know, does that help? Oh, that does help. Now, Along the way, did you ever have any accountability partners or people that, uh, you know, like that you would report into or that would help you along the way? Or did you just do it pretty much by yourself? I would say accountability partners were forced. Like I forced it. They didn't ask. I forced them to be it. My wife was definitely an accountability partner. And when, and I didn't have to force her. She was supportive. But what I mean by that is like my environment, like my coworkers are my accountability partners, even if they didn't ask, they weren't asked to be. Because I was self-driven. You you can only help you. Like, unless you're on a show like Biggest Loser where they lock you on a camp for three months to do whatever you need to do, you know, you're gonna do you're gonna have to be the one to do it. And even then, a lot of them have failed or they bounced back because they didn't learn the discipline on their own, right? This is a this is a solo journey. I, I view weight loss. Very similar to golf, 
and tennis and boxing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yes, those tennis players are going out there. Yes, those boxers. Yes, those golf players are the ones swinging the the the, the club, the racket, or or throwing a punch. But the whole team is out there helping you train, getting your body right. You know, when you're feeling down, like I was feeling down, my buddy calls me over. He's like, no, he, I call him over. He's like, yo, dude, you got to get through this. It's kind of similar if you're in a corner of a boxing match, you know, give him water, wipe him down, you know, ice, ice the face down, you know, you know, maybe you need to seal the cut up and get back in there. So it's a team effort. Um, it's a team effort. I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without my wife and the people who had my work. No way. And my friends. Now, uh, unfortunately, I can't, you know, because I did not uh, I did not stay there. But uh, twice in my life, my life, I've dropped a whole lot of weight. And while I was thin, I did take note of how differently I was treated, uh, that it seemed like it was an entirely different world. Um, Did you experience that as well when you took off your weight or was that? Oh, absolutely. I was totally like I look at it like this. There's a difference between giving, being given the front seat out of respect of a car, you know, the front seat of a car out of respect or out of um, requirement. Mm. So I, I hear it from people less and less. Now, as I got older, more people are now telling me to sit in the front seat because I'm like older or because I'm six foot or because um, whatever. But when I lost the weight, it was like, no one really cares to give me the front seat anymore like they used to. They had to give me the front seat before because they did, they wanted two reasons. One, they were concerned I was going to be uncomfortable. Two, they didn't want to sit me in the back where I would make other people uncomfortable. You see what I'm saying? Just that alone. Or, you know, I lost hair, right? So you're blessed with no hair, too. So, like, I lost <laughs> hair. And so I, I ended up with this unintentional kind of, like, you know, I didn't think I would ever look like this, but those like, especially when I was a little bit more leaner, a little more muscular than I am now, like the chocolate bald brother with the goatee. So I had that look going. So it's like, I didn't look like the chocolate fountain brother, right? Like I was when I was bigger, you know? Um, So that was also different. Um, I think there's a level of, of um, society. And I would even say for myself, like I'll tell, I, I look at big people differently, but mine comes from experience. I know what it's like. And I would say, as harsh as this sounds, is that big people lack self-control because I lack self-control. Right. Um, and they think they, like, I used to lie. I used to say, oh, I don't eat that bad. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So I say that to say, that's why this back to your point on, like, how people treat people. I think the world sees us or people like us. And I, I include myself in it because I used to be big. Um, as either lazy or sloppy or whatever. So when you lose the weight, the same people are going to treat you differently because they realize you're doing something for yourself. And then new people are going to start noticing you because they've never seen you before. Because the large, large people, it's awkward. As much space as the larger people take up, we're not noticed either. Wow. That's deep. That's deep. It's the weirdest thing in the world. They see us only when we're an inconvenience. Outside of that, not paying attention. Wow. Wow. I mean, tell me, it's a, I mean, no, you think very people true. care about the big guy till he gets on the plane and you see him coming down the aisle and you hope that he's not sitting next to you? That's right. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. Yeah. I mean, it's on, and I think part of that, a lot of that is uh, regarding uh, those who are on or not on or not in the sexual marketplace because a lot of times they don't see you because they're looking for 
they're looking for suitors or they're looking, they're looking for yeah. some, you know, someone to date or who or whatever else. <laughs> oh yeah, people and recognize my the, people recognize my ring more that I'm smaller. Right, right, right. That's very <laughs> they, didn't, that's, they didn't care about my ring before. Wow, wow, wow. That's that's deep. That's deep. That's deep. Now, um, now you, now how long? The last time, how many months did it take you again to get all the way down? A total of fourteen months. Total of fourteen months. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Now, so it was May of May of twenty ten to August, or I would say really July ish, but August is like the time I pick of uh, two thousand eleven. Okay. Okay. Now, have you, uh, now once that, once you were able to become that statistical anomaly and you overcame not just once, but twice, have you, uh, have you ever started like a fitness program? Have you ever, uh, have you ever thought about becoming like a personal trainer or anything? No, I don't have the patience. So like, I'm, I love people. So I have the patience with people in all aspects of life. Sure. What it took me to drive me to, and what drives me to be healthy I can't put that in people because, and I get aggravated when I know like people just kind of like become lazy and they give up. Right. Um, I have thought about like ideas of like monetizing my program, like how I did it, but I don't ever want to be a personal coach. Like I'll probably just sit and talk about like, here's the steps, here's how I calculated it. Here's the math behind how I did it. Cause I, I had my own spreadsheet, which I've lost. Like I had this thing where I mapped it out and figured out the, the the calculation of what it took me to drop 10 pounds a month for six months straight. And I did it. Like I literally was like from December to May, I lost six, six, 10 pounds straight every month. I never missed. Good morning. Good afternoon or good evening. Whatever time it is in your time zone. At least on my time, it's, it's after church and I don't know about you, sometimes after church I'm just lacking energy. Courtney. Yes. Can you get me can you get me a uh one of them vitamins that your mama takes? Here you go, Daddy. Mm. Let me try one of these. Tastes pretty good. My God, my God, Q, what do you have in there? It's made with vitamins B9 and B12. It's, it's great for my overall health. It's made with pectin, a unique fiber in fruit peels. It's simple and delicious. Kim, did you know that more people search apple cider vinegar in the U.S. than tea? Google has 15,000 people searching that word every day in the U.S. alone. Kim, how can more people get this gummy? If you want to support the podcast... Or if you're looking to improve your health, you can order these gummies at https forward slash forward slash go.goalie.com forward slash becoming discipline. Don't forget to use our promo code becoming discipline. I never missed. It became a game. I never missed. I never forget. And I wish I had kept a, a recording of it, or at least I wish they had those digital scales back in the day that scores it. Because literally, I remember seeing I was like 280, month later, 270, month later, two, 260, month later. I even skipped the 10 and went down to 244. I like dropped almost 16 in a month. It was ridiculous. Like it was crazy. And then, like the next day, when it's like 248. But no matter what, I just, I just had this cock and it worked. I figured it out. You know, mm. now and then th- that's how I ended up 
becoming my next level of fear is now that my goal is to maintain the weight I knew. And that's the other thing too, what I was telling myself, this is the key thing. I always told myself weight loss wasn't the completion. So what happened was as I was getting closer to the 220 that I knew that I wanted to be at, I ended up going down to like 197. I was super, super slim. I'm not 197. I'm 235 now, but I told myself that when I get down to the 220, I'm going to start looking at what it takes to maintain this weight. So I started planning for it and planning for it and planning for it. Then I just started. I started my maintenance plan like that April and May. Still ended up losing another 40, 40 or 50 pounds afterwards, but I started my maintenance plan and just kind of went. Mm. Now, so people can have some some context. How tall are you? Uh, five eleven and a half. I usually say six feet, but I'm, you know, I might as well say six feet. Uh, now, speaking about fear, that's the question I had. Uh, fear. Do you do you ever fear going backwards, or or how prevalent is that it. fear in your life? I live in it. I live in it even now. You know, like here I am, I'm 235. I've got clothes in my closet I can't fit like I could like a year and a half ago. But I've learned to live within a range that I'm, I'm comfortable in, which is between 200 and 240. That's where I realized like that's where I need to live. And I'm okay with that. Um, there are times where I've, I've feared, like I've had dreams where I've like, you know, I would go to bed and it was a lot earlier, but I'll, I'll go to bed and, um, you know, pass out. And then, like, I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm back up to 360, but it's a dream. Like, I'm kind of like, oh my God, you know. Um, so it's like the clumps, you know, like almost that feeling of like when he took the potion and the potion wore off and whatever, and he just starts gaining the weight back. Like, that's kind of how I was feeling. Um, so I deal with those fears because I, I realized that, you know, a couple things my wife and kids depend on me. I believe that society is now looking at me um, a bit more uh, because I inspire. And so I don't ever want to fall back. But I do fear and I do fear and I and I use that fear to fuel me. I don't think there's anything wrong with having some fears as long as you're not crippled by them. And I just, you know, I just let it fuel me. Okay. well, we're going to hit you with just some general questions before we get you out of here. And one of the general questions that we ask all of our our guests is how well do you sleep at night? Do you are you a you consider yourself a strong sleeper or you consider yourself a someone who struggles with uh, insomnia, how well do you sleep? I would say I sleep pretty good. I mean, when I have ample sleep, but, you know, like there was a point in time, it's funny, like last year where I wasn't getting good sleep, I'll be in the bed for 10 hours and I'd wake up exhausted. You know, now I'm able to sleep four hours and I'm fine. It's just, I've got the right bed and I, I wear a mouthpiece now, like a mouth guard, because I, I, um, I grind my teeth at night. So the mouth guard helps me from grinding, so I sleep better. Mm. Um, so I sleep pretty good. No, I don't do with insomnia or anything or sleep apnea. I don't do stuff. Okay. I probably would have if I hadn't gotten healthy though. Okay. Did, did, uh, so you never, did you have sleep apnea when you were heavy? Do you think? Or? No, but I think with age, it would have caught up with me. Okay. If I'm still, if I'm, if I were, if I'm still alive today with the same habits I had when I was 29, I think I would have a whole lot of health issues. Okay. Now, even though you're a success story, if we time traveled and we took you back to that day where you started your journey, you know, uh, when you started your journey the last time, would you give yourself any advice of anything you could do better? I don't think so. I think, I mean, there's things I could have done better, you know, like maybe I could have hopped on um, my diet tracking app maybe a month earlier, or I could have, you know, ran a couple more races, right? things like that, like, you know, but no, I mean, I like what that guy produced, 
you know, by God's grace, like that guy produced this guy, right? My, everything about me changed. And that's the one thing I didn't touch here is that like, when I went in 2010 to do that weight loss change, that's also when my career changed because I was looked at differently, kind of like your, your point earlier. So I went from being a behind the scenes tech to like, people are like, well, you're really good with your words. Why don't you consider going into sales? And I became the, the suited sales guy, right? And I just, that's what I ended up doing. So I've been in sales now for 10 of these 20 years I've been in IT. And it's like, I like what was produced or what came out of that. So I don't know if I would change much. I don't know if I would change much. That's good. Now, what book outside of the Bible do you recommend that has had the most profound impact upon your life? You know, it's interesting. I wouldn't say most profound. I would say recently profound. There's there's two. Well, one is Total Recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Phenomenal book. And he he um it's funny too because like I, I like audiobooks. So right. he's doing about 30% of the reading. So it's a neon Schwarzenegger voice, you know, that kind of thing. So it's it's great, you know, and just kind of hearing that. Um, that was good. Um uh the um uh boundaries. Mm. Uh that one is a huge that is a great book. Um, have you heard of boundaries before? Oh yeah. You're um, my, you're our first, you're our fourth guest to, uh, to recommend it. It's, it's, it's big among our guests. Yeah. Boundaries is good. I mean, I, I got, I mean, I, I'll, if, if you don't mind for the video, I'm going to, um, pull up the ones that I know that like, have been great. So, um, for me, so boundaries, like I said, that's Dr. Townsend, um, and Henry cloud, um, necessary endings. That's another good one. That has been profound for me. Um, and, um, can't hurt me by David Goggins. That one oh, has yeah. also been really good. Um, I love me some David Goggins, man, especially oh, yeah. when I'm like really, really focused on training. Yeah. He's always got me like, Ugh. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. another former, uh, another former fat guy, you know, he was yeah. big, like, yeah, yeah he was, yeah, he was yeah. He was big boy. Yeah. He dropped it in three months, I think, or 90 days. He did it crazy. Yeah. He did it crazy. <laughs> you know, he's, he's nuts. He's a good type of guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, at Becoming Discipline, we examine discipline or organization in the following areas. We, we look at spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, uh, emotional intelligence, financial discipline, time management, and home and data organization. Uh, I think I know which one, of you, which one is your strong point, but which do you consider your strong points and which do you uh, believe could use some work? Uh, read those to me again. Yeah, I'll read it. I'll read it to everybody. Uh, uh, so so listen for the strong point. Listen for the weak point, And then also, what's the plan for the weak point? Spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional intelligence, financial discipline, time management and home and data organization. It's crazy because like for those, I feel like so it's home, um, mental, emotional, um, time physical or like my four area. Like, I don't think one's more stronger than the other. Okay. Like I, I can't like, because to me, they all work together. Like if I can't manage my time, I can't manage my emotions. If I can't manage my body, I can't manage my time. I need to use my time to manage my body. And like, does that make sense what I'm saying? I'm really yes. big on it. Everything I do, all I will tell you, I tie it to time and emotions. Those are the two things that I will sacrifice my time for someone's emotions and also my own emotional intelligence. Like if I detect something, but I will not sacrifice time for any of those other two areas. Time is so important to me. Like I, every decision I make is around time. Even the way I eat, I base it on time. So like 
if I if I am not prepping my food, I don't eat at certain times um, because I didn't t- make the time to go do it. But I'll go make it up another time. But I'm like, I'll tell myself like, and it kind of drives my wife, my wife up the wall. She'll be like, why do you say this? And I'm like, what? She's like, you'll sit down and I'll hear you say to yourself, all right, I got eight minutes to eat this meal. Like, I, that's just me. I'm like, Lewis, said, I got eight minutes to eat. Because if I don't take the eight minutes, if I take any more than eight minutes, I will lose productivity in something else, mm. which then can impact me emotionally because I didn't get the stuff done that I needed to. So I've made food important, but not the guide anymore. I, I've, I've moved it to time. Time's everything for me. It is. Wow. Even when I'm running late, like today, right? It's like, it bothered me that I was late. But I also knew why, right? And I and I'm okay with. I can reconcile that, you know. As well. I was getting my daughter, we ran into some traffic, but it was okay. Like I can reconcile that, um, because you can't get time back. Time is to me is your time, your mental, your emotional, and spiritual. You can't get any of that stuff back. And your spiritual is the only one that continues on. So, you it's know, it's very good, Matthew. Everything, uh, else has, like, everything else is finite. Everything else is finite. That's right. When we die, like we will only have two things, right? Our spirit and God. That's it. Like there's nothing else. Right. Right. Oh, that's very profound. Yeah. Matthew, we uh even though we brought you on sorry, I was over, sorry, I was over sorry is over speaking. No, 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 no. But even though we brought you on for the weight loss thing, um I might hit you up in two or three months and let's just have a conversation about time. Because uh oh, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would rather because uh, I'll tell you this, your explanation of time is probably a little more profound than I've had productivity experts on here before. And uh, you have something very unique there. So I want to, you know, I'm going to bother you in three months and I'm going to bother. Yeah, I'm going to try to get you back. And we just have a, a, a conversation focused on nothing but time. Yeah. You know? But see, and that's the thing. A lot of that plays into discipline. And that's how I was able to really be able to succeed if i couldn't manage my time mm. it was impossible all my workouts like i switched like for example back last year i switched everything to hit workouts not because um i like hit it's because i got a new role and it required me to be, work extra hours and hit workouts only take 30 minutes so i had to sacrifice to say you know what i'm not going to be 225 and big and muscular i'll just have to be 215 i don't care but I'll still get my workouts in Right. Then I started prepping my meals on Sundays and stuff like that for the week, but, you know, and then that allows me to have time for the family in a certain way. Like you get where I'm coming from that. Like, it's just oh, everything, everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It, I, I know it annoys the side out of my wife. I'm like, she hates it, but <laughs> everything is built to time. And to me, that, that part, that played a role in my day. Okay. Um, and okay. just. No, that's good. That's good. Now, um. I'm going to backtrack. I might even, I might edit this question and make it put it earlier in the interview. Uh, Regarding your workouts, did you start off with just aerobic or did you do aerobic and weightlifting or how how have you changed through the years? And for mm-hmm. some, you know, what advice do you give people who are well over 300 that, hey, do, should they start off with aerobic? Should they start off with weightlifting? What are your thoughts on that? I think it depends on gender, you know. Um, and when I say gender, I'm only speaking to two, okay, um, birth, male, female. Um, like the and age, right? So when I was younger, you know, I was 29 years old. And so, and I naturally have a high, high muscle, high, high amounts of body muscle. So I ran a lot. So the first thing I did was I did my diet and then I ran. I didn't touch a weight for five months. So like, so I, I started 
So I went from May to August, no working out. And then from August to January before I even touched the weight. I didn't touch a weight until January. And um, someone told me, hey, if you want more fat loss, because my skin was feeling kind of loose and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I need to tighten this up. She's like, we need to lift weights. I'm like, oh, okay. So my advice right now to people who are larger, not that's that, that I guess if you ask that, if you think about that other question, like where would I go back to? It would be focused on making sure that you are doing basically all three things, right? Is, you know, your diet is right. You're doing some form of cardio slash high intense interval training and then strength slash weight training. You do those three things, no matter what size you are, you'll be fine. As long as you, like I said, diet, some form of high intense interval training slash, you know, cardio, and then any form of strength and power. I mean, sorry, strength and, and, um, and lifting, you know, uh, uh, training that that's super important. And that's what I did. And that's what I do. That's my mix. And then I just changed my diet according to my goals. You know, that's it. Um, and when you, when you got all the way down, did you ever get tempted to uh, pay for the, like a surgery to tighten up uh, any loose skin or anything? No. Cause I mean, it, it, even though I have a little bit of looseness now, no, my body, I'm, it, it kind of, by God's grace, it tightens up, you know, like I'm, I'm actually don't really deal with super loose skin. It's not as loose as I know some people who have it, which is not bad. It's just everybody's skin is different. Um, especially if you're like super light skin, you know, like light skin, black or white, um, you know, or for, for black people who are like myself, super large. Right. And then you get lose all the weight and you just gotta, there's no way to tighten it up. And that's the other thing too. You got to give yourself time. I told myself I won't have tight skin for four years. I told myself about that the first year. Why, why rush? Right. Why rush? Why do that? Why do that to my emotional health? I got down to, when I got down to, to 191, I saw this loose skin. I was like, it's okay. I still got three years. That's it. Mm-hmm. I still got three years. That's good. I still got three that's years. And that's what happened. Three years later, it tightened up. You see what I mean? Sure. No? Yeah, you're uh, mentioning something. I'm just saying this for my audience in case they didn't hear you. Because you're not using this word, but I'm hearing this. Uh, I'm hearing patience over and mm-hmm. over and over again. It seems like you approach this with a steadiness, but you also had a great deal of patience. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's necessary as well, because maybe sometimes uh, I'm guilty of this, where you stack your goals and you get uh, hyped up and amped up. And then when you don't get there as fast as you would like to get there, then, you know, that that lack of patience can really hurt you. Oh, yeah. Give yourself time and give yourself grace. Give yourself mercy. Those three things. Grace, time, and mercy. You know, it's like the GMT, right? Grace, mercy, time. You know? um, just give yourself that. You know, it's super important to, to do that. Um, I, I'm thankful that you even picked up on that because I, I, I tell people that all the time. You know, I, I had this statement and my wife got it from me for my birthday. It's called Win Every Day. Right? It's a shirt that I got made. It's called Win Every Day. And the reason I call it Win Every Day is that you pick a small goal that day. Whatever that is. And at the end of the day, if you've accomplished that goal, you've won that day. And then you pick a new goal the next day. So you just win every day. So when I was losing the weight, I told myself I'm going to have all my vegetables, all my grilled chicken and fish, um, and I'll knock out 100 push-ups. If I did that, I won. That's it. Yay. And my treat was probably like a small piece of candy or something because I still ate candy. And that was it. Next day, I do it again. It sounds like a two-year-old, but hey, at the end of the day, we're still all two-year-olds with bills. I mean, I, that's how I look at it. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Very um, true. So yeah, 
Yeah. That's very true. That's very true. Now, as we wrap up, because I know you, uh, we got eight minutes and I know that, uh, you're, you know, I know you, you how you are with time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to take this time and this is a moment where we give you an opportunity. You, you mentioned a podcast and, you know, you mentioned starting it up again before we before we started recording. Uh, yes. Can you tell us about that podcast and tell us where we can find and we know that you haven't started it up again, but but just for our audience, where can they find it when you're ready? So last year, I uh, started this thing called Civil Conversations. I started it in June of last year, just around the time everything broke out around George Floyd. And what I wanted to do was focus on being able to have very difficult conversations about very sev- very sensitive topics, but in a nuanced fashion. So you don't leave the conversation with answers leave the conversations with ways to work through the problems, right? And so I had different topics, you know, may have been um, uh, mixed blended couples and marriages, uh, may have been um, uh, pastors and leaders in the church and dealing with racial issues, people who were born in the 90s, I had people that were born in the 40s, and just giving us all of the different perspectives and then picking different topics talk about. We had a discussion, I'll never forget this one, it was great, on the Black woman and around image and beauty. And so anyway, I say all this, all this, this stuff because my goal is to tackle these things in a nuanced fashion. And the reason why I, I stopped for a while is I had a lot going on this last year. I'll be bringing it back and I'm coming hard and I'm coming strong. I'm going right after COVID-19. I'm going right after the homosexualities, uh, homosexuality in, in, in the world right now. I'm going after gender. I'm going after politics. Um, not because I'm trying to start trouble, but because I'm trying to start dialogue, healthy dialogue. So that's why I call it civil conversations. The one on COVID-19 is going to be a little bit crazy. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Now, uh, now, now oh, and I'm sorry. One other thing. It is a live format podcast, meaning I go live, I stream live. And the goal is to allow people to tune into Facebook and YouTube and ask questions at the same time of my guests or make comments. So that way you feel interactive into the conversation. And then I'll read the comments and say, oh, check out what this person said, or check out this question this person said, especially if I bring on experts. And that the reason why I do that is to make sure that you're not just coming to a conversation or a podcast. You, you actually can be part of it by just making a comment and I'll call you out. Mm, that's good. That's good. So you can find it on Facebook. You can find it yeah, on YouTube. Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And it's called, one more time? Civil, Civil Conversations. Civil Conversations. Now, does it have its own Instagram page or does it go off of your page? Yes, at civilconverse.com. So at C-I-V-I-L-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-E. I'm sorry, not .com, but that's it, at Civil Converse. Um, same thing with Facebook. And um, you can also follow uh, Twitter. Same thing, Civil Converse. Okay. Now, do you have anything else you'd like to promote or is that just the primary? No, that's it. Just good health and and, and mentality. That's awesome. That's That's awesome. Well, Matthew, we can't thank you enough for coming on. You didn't have to do this. You didn't need to do this. We truly appreciate you. You have the last word. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? Um, Whatever it is you do, stay focused, um, stay humble, and, uh, and just always still try to find a way to encourage yourself and encourage others in the process. That's what matters the most. If you enjoyed Matthew as much as we did, please check out his podcast, Civil Conversations with Matthew Aguito. And you can also check him out on Instagram at Civil Converse or at Nija underscore 
fit. That's N-A-I-J-A underscore fit on Instagram. And please don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.